Hi, I'm Mike Hatton, and for over 20 years, I've been in a management role that saw me working with other managers from entry level up to and including the C-suite. The experience gained have positioned me to help many other leaders manage the stresses of not having enough time at work, not having enough family time, neglecting their health, and many other challenges magnified by the recent pandemic. I founded Human Cornerstone Facilitations, LLC in 2008. It was based on the need to help managers improve their productivity and that of their team. I would like to show you the roadmap to becoming a great leader by harnessing your team's strengths. Welcome to my show, Cornerstone, where the foundations of leadership begin. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to my show. I have a show where we have conversations with people who've shown exceptional leadership and exceptional success, and my inaugural guest on my inaugural show is no exception to that. I'd like to introduce him now, and his accolades are so incredible that uh, I'm going to read for the only time in this show because I want to get this right. My guest today is Dr. Fab Mancini. He's known as America's number one healthy living media expert. He's a mentor to millionaires, Hay House International's best-selling author of The Power of Self-Healing and host of his TV series called Thriving in the New Normal. He also has a popular radio show, Self-Healing with Dr. Fab, and a podcast called The Fab, Laugh, Fab Life. Um, and he's not done there. Dr. Fab is also the best-selling author of Chicken Soup for the Chiropractic Soul, an internationally acclaimed educator, consultant, business leader, speaker, world-renowned chiropractor, and president emeritus of Parker University. He has been featured on Dr. Phil, The Doctors, Fox News, CNN, CBS, ABC, NBC, Univision, Telemundo, and others. He has been interviewed in various documentaries and has received honors, including Heroes for Humanity, Humanitarian of the Year, CEO of the Year, and induction into the Wellness Revolutionary Hall of Fame. And we're not done yet. Dr. Mancini is also a graduate of the prestigious Institute for Educational Management in the Graduate School of Education at Harvard University. Most recently, the president of Mexico named the library at UNEVE Mexico's new leading university after him. And this is the point where the, the producer were to bring me a microphone, I would drop it. Uh, Dr. Mancini, welcome to my show, Fab, as you're known. Uh, I'm incredibly honored to have you and welcome. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be here and congratulations on this show. Uh, I've known you for so many years and for you to be able to bring your wisdom, your experience to so many of us that are big followers of yours and big fans of yours, I'm super excited. The one thing that I got to tell you is when you read that, all I can think is a young boy in Colombia, South America, being raised thinking that you had limited opportunities. And my parents, you know, realizing that the land of opportunity was the United States, we call it America, uh, coming here and being, you know, constantly reminded that we could be anything that we wanted to as long as we were willing to earn it. And uh, I just feel very blessed that my life is one that is really measured on contribution rather than anything else. Uh, and I feel very humble, very humble. But the biggest accolade that you didn't mention was I'm your friend. So excited to be here. And I am your friend also. And, uh, and we know each other's story. You have helped me immensely. And knowing your story, I'd like to ask you, start off by asking you, can you name 
maybe two things, three things along your journey that uh, really contributed to your success? Three pivotal moments, transformational moments. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, I would say the first thing, uh, you know, one time I was asked to give a lecture and the topic of the lecture was called Defining Moments. And the host asked me if I could talk about what were my defining moments in life. And I really sat for a couple of weeks trying to identify what those moments are. And what you learn a lot of times is that our defining moments are not necessarily the happy moments. They're not necessarily our successful moments. They're not necessarily the ones that everybody is bragging about. They're the painful ones. They're the challenged ones. So I would say my first thing that I can tell you that was instrumental to the person that I become happened when I was 16 years old. We had moved to the United States from Colombia, South America, living in Miami at the time. My parents asked us, uh, my brothers and I, what we wanted for Christmas. And my brother Aldo, which is two years older than me, he said, why don't we go back to Colombia? It's been three years. We haven't seen our friends. So we begged our parents. We're like, we don't want anything. Please just get us two tickets. We can stay there with our cousins and our aunts and our uncles. And during Christmas, that's what we got. We got two tickets to go to Colombia on the 26th. So we get excited. We get there. My aunt and my uncle picked us up at the airport. We're driving to the house and we notice a lot of cars and we're like, what's going on? And and, and it's interesting because my aunt says to us, well, we have a little surprise for both of you. And what they've done is that they had called our friends from school, our family, uh, our relatives in the area, and they have put together a great party for us to welcome us back. And as you know, I was 13. At the, I mean, I was 16 at the time. I left when I was 13. So your friends are everything. And my brother Aldo, of course, his friends were so close to him that it meant a lot to us. And we drank, we, we were fed all of our favorite foods, a lot of love, a lot of hugging. And then my uncle had to go out of town for a business endeavor. So it was just my aunt, her two little kids, my cousins, my brother Aldo in one guest bedroom and me in another bedroom. Now this was a new house that they had just built. So they were very excited to have us there. And in the middle of the night, I got awakened by the back of a gun hitting my head, asking me, where is the safe? And I got to tell you, I had no idea what was going on. I was deep asleep. I get another hit. I try to yell. So what they did is they took my socks off and they put them in my mouth. Then I try to move on and they tied my hands and tied my feet together. They would take my socks off and say, where's the safe? And I'm like, I'm a guest here. I don't know. We just got here. My brother's in the other room. Well, we're going to kill your brother if you don't tell us. So they left the room. A few of them, there were about 10 that we can assume, but a few of them left. I hear my brother yell so loud. And then they come back with their hands full of blood. We killed your brother. You better tell us what the safe is. I honestly felt that it was the last night of my life at 16 years old. So by some miracle, the neighbor hears the commotion, the police comes, they flee. We're taken to the hospital. My brother has 22 stitches in his head, but he's alive. I'm sitting in this metal table in the hospital asking myself, 
what if this would have been my last night? At 16 years old, what have I done? What am I going to live for? And I honestly felt that I got a second chance. And people talk about second chances a lot, but I got to tell you, for me, the commitment that I made to my life is that I would live my life with a sense of urgency. Like if I won't have tomorrow to rely on, that if I leave tonight and I go to sleep and I don't wake up, I'm not going to feel bad or guilty or frustrated or depressed. I'm actually going to be grateful. But if I happen to wake up in the morning and I get another day, then I'm going to be even more grateful because now I get an opportunity to actually do something great with my life. That was the foundation to the success of my life. The fact that now we recognize that the opportunity in life is in the moment, right? It's not yesterday. It's not in the future. It's what I have with me right now. It's about taking responsibility for where you are and not always thinking that you want to be somewhere else or pretending that you're someone else or something, something that you're not. And, um, and that is something that I remind myself every single day. I'm going to be 56 now. So that's 40 years later that I've been living with that sense of urgency, which Eckhart Tolle wrote about in his book, The Power of Now, is that every opportunity that we have to make something of ourselves, to really do something great for others, relies in this moment right now. The question is, what are you going to do with you? with that moment, because no one else can do it for you. What are you going to do with it? That's an incredible story. And I've heard you tell that story before. And every time I hear it, it, uh, it, it brings out things in me that I remember about how fortunate I am. And the main takeaways I get from that are the power of family and the power of connections. And, and I can say, I see you live that with your family every time. Your family always comes first and uh, you're such a giving man. That is absolutely a fantastic story. And well, imagine this, Mike. Imagine if we only had 24 hours, right? Imagine how will we wake up in the morning? We will wake up early or late. If we happen to have someone next to us and we're blessed to have that, are we going to get up early enough to let them know what they mean to us, to kiss on them, to tell them how much we love them, to tell them our lives would not be the same without them, to maybe even make love to them before we leave? Or are we going to get out of bed and rush out like we always do and, and, and get on with our days and never even bother to say that before we leave the house? And if we have children, are we going to get up early and make them their favorite breakfast and cuddle on them and waken them up gently? Or are we going to yell across the house, Johnny, you're going to be late to school, you know, or will we go to work or are we going to call in sick because we're frustrated? Like the latest studies have said that over 75 percent of individuals dislike and are not engaged with their work. Are we one of those people or are we going to be excited to go to work and thank the people that allow us to work there, our bosses, our, our employees, our customers? Who we're going to call to forgive? Who we're going to call to say thank you to? What regrets have we lived with that we keep beating ourselves? You know, the new science says that the average person has over 70,000 thoughts a day. 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts we had the day before. And 80% of those thoughts are negative in nature. We got to stop beating ourselves up. So do something with this moment now. And that's really why that lesson is so powerful for me. That's absolutely amazing. 
Uh, there are so many stories, and uh, this show would be six hours long if I got into all these stories, but there's another one that I always remember that I really liked that I was so impressed. So as a, as a young student at Parker University, you had a chance meeting. Well, it wasn't a chance meeting at all. You went to great lengths to set this up. But that ultimately led to you becoming the CEO of Parker. Would you like to share that story with us? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, I, I've always been taught that in life, we should have what is called initiative. Don't wait until somebody tells you to do something for you to make a contribution. Go ahead and make it regardless of the outcome. So I was a young student at Parker and there were two things that I noticed needed to be done that were not being done. Number one is that the tours of our campus was done by employees of the admissions department. And I kept saying to myself, who better than a student to actually tell me about this school, the sacrifices you make, the long hours, the amount of intensity of the studying, you know, all the things that you're gonna go through, who better than the student? That was the first one. And then second one is that uh, Dr. Parker, which was our CEO, and he was actually one of the most successful chiropractors that ever lived, very busy man, managed three big companies. He had these seminars that he was training chiropractors how to be successful. And I went to my first seminar as a student and I realized that they were not inviting students to go there. So what happened was that I said, we need to invite our students because when else are you gonna change your mindset as to what success potential you have than when you're a student? Their philosophy was graduating from school, let them fail one or two years in practice, and then they'll be open to learn how to be successful. And I'm like, I don't wanna be unsuccessful for two years. I wanna learn what to do now. So anyway, so like you said, I try to set up an appointment with our president. And I was being told no, that I was just a young student and he's too busy, he's traveling all over the world, lecturing and doing all these things that he did. But one day he actually chose to see me. And what I did is I had written a, a letter with all the points of what I wanted to see him for. And I told him that I would not waste his time, that I will be brief, but I wanted to support and help the school in these two ways. Well, he got such a kick out of that that I'm in class and we had a PA system and he goes, Fabrizio Mancini, please come see the president. <laughs> like himself doing the announcement. And all my friends were like, oh my God, you're in trouble. He never does that. He was kind of intimidating guy at the time. I went into, my, into his office and he made me wait for a little bit. And then I came in and he was laughing. He's like, looking at my paper, what is this all about? And after that meeting, I remember that 10 minutes into the meeting, he told his assistant at the time, cancel my afternoon, I wanna be with Fab. He called my faculty and told them that I was gonna be not back to school. And I was able to share my vision. And because I was able to share it with such positive and honest and authentic feeling, he allowed me to set up and become the tour guide for the institution. I said, let me give you an example of what is possible. And because of that, we broke every record in admissions of any chiropractic school in the nation. There were 18 schools at the time. We were the youngest, and we became the most successful 
because of these tours. And because of the seminar, I was the first student that was ever allowed to speak at the seminar, which were the most successful seminars in chiropractic. And I was able to refine my speaking in, uh, ability. I made every mistake possible, but I always say a speaker is not born, it's made. And it's made by practicing and making every mistake that you can possibly make. So by the time I graduated, I had done so many speeches that I actually became very successful by speaking and building my businesses by that, which I still do today. So that to me taught me, even though I could have seen myself as a young student, and even though I would have talked myself out of setting up that meeting and who am I to speak to the president and he's gonna laugh at my idea and he's not gonna take me seriously and I'm gonna be embarrassed and my friends are gonna laugh at me. Most of us talk ourselves out of success every single day because we don't believe enough in ourselves. But I'm here to tell you that no idea will ever come your way unless you were the person that were meant to actually make it happen. Well, you have to be ready that nine out of 10 people are gonna try to talk you out of it. Not because they don't want to, to do it, it's because they themselves don't see you doing it either. But why did that idea come to you in the first place is what I always say. That's a gift from God, in my opinion, that came from above. And I have to honor that because there's a lot of people that have died with their ideas inside and they're full of cemeteries where the biggest treasures in the world have lived there. The potential Picassos that never decided to paint because their parents told them that that looks awful. There's no money in being an artist. Or maybe the people that will create symphonies. So maybe the future leaders of the world. And that's when I realized that you have to be true to whatever you come, uh, what comes to you as an idea. And you have to allow yourself that even if you're uncomfortable, live up to those ideas because they are no mistakes. If they came to you, it's because you're the one to make them happen. And that's what I did at that time. And because of that, just a few short years later, not only did I become one of the most successful students of that school, I became a board member. And because of my ability to be such a good board member, when the president, Dr. Parker, passed away, the board was convinced that I was the person to replace him. And I never wanted to do it. I never applied for the position. I was talked into doing it. I thought it would be a short-term gig, but I did it for almost 13 years because I realized that my life needed to be about supporting something bigger than me. And I have been very successful in my practices and in my businesses, but now I was gonna go into a non-for-profit for a lot less money but to give a service that was much bigger than the one that I could have done on my own. And because of that success there, it opened up the world to me to do all the things that I've been able to do. And, and, and I remind myself often, what if I would have said no to that, right? What would that mean? That I would have never enjoyed all of these amazing things that have happened over the last, you know, uh, Gosh, almost uh, 20 years. No, more than 20 years. Almost 25 years. Wow. Incredible you know, career. I became the youngest president of a college or university in the United States at that time at 33 years old. What are the chances of that? So that's when I remind myself, believe in you even when you don't want to. 
even when you don't think you can. And if you're blessed to have somebody that believes in you when you can, embrace it. Take it all in and pretend that their belief system is going to be enough to carry you through whatever insecurities we may have at the time. Because we all have it. We're human beings. And that's what I did. I believe that the board knew better. And if they put a 33-year-old to run such a big enterprise, they must know something that I didn't think I knew. And I always figure that if I don't do a good job, they can always take me out. But it wasn't like that. And I probably could have still be there if, unless I felt it was time for someone else to come in and take it to the next level. Another incredible story. And one of the things that you've always taught me is to look for the takeaways. And, and in that story, I had two main takeaways. The first one is persistence. How you got in front of that president, you refused to give up, you kept, you kept doing it, and you submitted a plan that was focused with him. That was, that was the door, you opening the door for yourself. And the second one is what you said, I'll say it in terms that my dad, who was very simply spoken, and, uh, but he was very powerful in the way he spoke to me. And it was always, if someone takes enough of an interest in you to open a door for you, be smart enough to step through that door. And that's exactly what you just described in your story. Uh, if we can now, I'd like to talk about uh, something and there may be, uh, uh, this may have some implications of uh, what's happened to people in the, during the pandemic. And I know you're, you're an expert and you've done a lot of research on that, but you have something uh, called the Fab Life and you have something called the Fab Life Academy. Uh, are there a couple of things you'd like to tell us about that? Well, it's interesting because during the pandemic, uh, a lot of my time was going to public speaking. I do about 72 speeches a year all over the world. So I'm on a plane every week somewhere. And during the pandemic, I remember I was booked for the rest of the year. And starting in March 1st, everybody canceled. And then all of a sudden, then I started calling my friends that were public speakers and say, what are you doing? And many of them were trying to convince their uh, hosts to maybe do something virtual. But in those days, I don't know if you remember, there was a lot of adversity about doing virtual meetings. No, it's not going to be the same. You're not going to have the same feeling, you know, uh, but we had no choice. And even though we all thought that this pandemic was going to last maybe two to four weeks, here we are still at it. So what happened during that time is that I had a little bit of a downtime that I hadn't had before. And when you have downtime, you get a chance to really go inwards and start really thinking and contemplating what is the lesson in all of this? And what I realized is that I needed to be more generous with my audience. So what I did is that I hired and I licensed technology that allowed me to put over 35 years of content in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a software that was gonna be given to people so they can benefit from all of my speeches, all of the books that I've written, all of the resources that my friends, some of the most influential people in the world have done. Um, and I started actually thinking about this work called mentoring. You know, mentoring, in my opinion, is when someone recognizes that the value of their success is directly proportional to the impact that it has in someone's life. What is the use of me having more accolades, more accomplishments, more degrees, if I cannot impact positively someone's life? So 
I put this together the last couple of years. We have thousands of people that are now benefiting from these resources that I put together. And then because of that, I've been able to mentor some very influential people, as you know, some high level successful people that recognize that either maybe their lives were out of balance. Maybe they were very successful in business, but terrible in their relationships with their significant others, with their children, with their parents, with their community, with their employees, etc. I found people that were very much out of balance when it comes to their health. And the pandemic has made them realize that what's the use of having all this money when I'm going to be stuck and maybe be one of those individuals that is a candidate for uh, the pandemic being something very risky and I may end up in a respirator or in a hospital emergency room. I found also people that were in the virtual divorces that wanted to mentor about how do I repair my relationship? And in order to do that, you got to stop pointing fingers and you got to start looking inside of you and go back in time to see what experiences have happened that have led me to respond to things in a way that may not be very constructive. And now that's one of the businesses that I have that have really helped a lot of people that I'm very excited about because the most exciting one is the one that I give away because that's the one that I believe that I want hundreds of thousands of people to benefit from those resources. And all they have to do is go to my webpage and they can sign up for it for free. And the other one is for somebody that really needs a little bit more handholding and I don't limit it in time. They can do month to month is if you need it, we're going to identify the top three priorities that we're going to work in this next 30 days. And if we identify that I can be of service to you, then let's go forward and we'll start working immediately on those three priorities. Um, and that's been a, a great opportunity for me to serve at a very high level. Uh, and then, of course, because of the pandemic, I was asked to do a TV series called Thriving the New Normal, where I interview a lot of the highest, most influential people in different industries and ask them one question. In your opinion, what does it take today to thrive in this industry in this time? And the things that were, came out of it were amazing. So I did 32 segments. And now we're filming the second season because it has been very successful. And you can watch that at the Best UTV, which is a network in Roku, Apple TV, Google Play, Amazon Fire, pretty much anywhere out there in digital TV. You can watch that series or you can just Google it or go to my webpage. And from my webpage, you can go directly to uh, that. And then I did a, a, a new book that is being released in January. This will be my fifth book called The Fab Life. And I have a podcast called The Fab Life where I talk about lifestyle. What does it take today to really get back to the lifestyle that we can feel good about? Because we've had an unprecedented disruption, you know, and this disruption, if we don't watch it, can make us victims of it instead of victors or empowerment because of it. So I always ask myself, what did the pandemic do for me? instead of what did the pandemic do to me? And when you ask the word for, immediately you start recognizing, wow, it got me out of that job that I hated and now I can open up my own business or I can actually get on with a job that I want to do. Or it got me out of that relationship that was toxic or abusive and now I put up, I don't put up with that anymore and now I'm seeking a healthier relationship. Or it got me to work on my health 
instead of always putting that as an excuse and I've lost 40 pounds because I'm eating healthy or exercising a little bit more often. Or it got me to stop being so pessimistic and negative and maybe realize that I need to work on my personal development. And now I'm a much better, happier person because of it. So what did the pandemic do for me is the question we need to be asking. So that's really what I've been called to do at this time. And, uh, and I've been very blessed uh, to be able to recognize that when you're called to do something, you just do it. You don't try to talk yourself out of it. You don't make excuses because remember, all I have is this 24 hours, right? And if I don't do something constructive with them, then it's going to be very hard to live with myself, understanding life the way I do it now. What an incredible uh, way to frame that. And again, takeaways. I always look for takeaways in everything you've, you've ever said to me and ever done. And you've been such an incredible friend uh, and mentor. And I've gotten so many things from you and you, you have so many resources. This man has resources uh, for book writing. He can connect you with anything, anything you're trying to do. You've helped me with the technology side of my business that I'm starting and all of that, that uh, the takeaway that I got from what he just said was gratitude. Find the gratitude in everything. And in, in if something bad happens to you and there are some tragic things happen to people, I know that. But find the gratitude in that and, and act on it and use that for your own benefit. And with that, I'd like to say that, uh, first of all, we'll put your website up. He mentioned his website. Uh, we will put that up. We'll put a link to that on here. And as we close out, I would like to say just thank you so much for uh, being, like I said, the inaugural guest on my inaugural show. Uh, you're the most caring and giving man I can imagine. Thank you so much for everything you've done for me. And uh, thank you for watching my show. And uh, if you find yourself ever feeling like you're stressed, like you don't have enough time as a leader, or if you don't have enough time to spend with your family, or if you're wondering if your team is feeling like you give them all your time, uh, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to live in that world. Uh, if I can help you in any way, you can contact me at thegrowthfacilitator.com or you can email me directly at mike at thegrowthfacilitator.com. We'll put the link up for that also. And um, Dr. Mancini, thank you so much. Well, I feel like I need to be the one thanking you for not only your friendship, but also the fact that I've seen you be so effective in helping so many people that are struggling with what you've already surpassed. And that to me is a real valuable life. The fact that you're at this stage in your life where you can just play golf every day, and I know you love to play golf, or you can decide, you know what? I've learned some lessons that some people out there can benefit from, and I wanna make sure that they can either fast track or accelerate or decrease their suffering and be able to solve whatever challenges they're having based on your experience. So you've helped me personally, and you've helped many of my clients, as you know. Uh, and I just want to say congratulations again in bringing this amazing show that I know is going to help a lot of people along the way. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show and found something of value to help with the challenges you face as a leader. Please feel free to share this show with your friends on social media. And don't forget to visit my website, thegrowthfacilitator.com. And while you're there, book a free call with me. 
We'll see you next time on Cornerstone.